and welcome to Blooming in Motherhood, conversations for growing moms. Becoming a mother is life-changing in nearly every way. Some days are magical and some days are survival. You have new priorities, hopes, worries, perspectives, identities. Your world is all new and it's never been so full. Welcome to the Blooming in Motherhood podcast, where you'll hear from other moms who've been through it, learn from experts, and be supported in embracing change, learning and growing, and blooming in motherhood. I'm your host, Molly Vassa Bertolucci, a licensed perinatal mental health therapist and mother of two on a parenthood learning journey, just like you. We'll touch on topics like postpartum and maternal mental health here, but this podcast is not a substitute for therapy, and if you're struggling, you should seek help from a licensed provider in your area. I'm so glad that you're here and joining us for these conversations for growing moms. Let's jump in and learn together. Hello and welcome back. I'm so excited to be here with you for episode two of season two, and I'm joined today by Jody Klarstenfeld. Jody is the mother of an adorable little girl born at 28 weeks due to a rare and life-threatening form of preeclampsia and HELP syndrome. After her daughter's early birth, Jody quickly discovered that preemie moms and dads aren't always given the support that they need. And as a result, she created Flourish, a platform that offers NICU parent education, empowerment, support, and resources to help families navigate their parenting journey after the NICU. Jody, her husband, and her family live in New York City, and she's joining us today to talk about this beautiful and complex parenthood journey that comes after the NICU. She shares her story with us and talks about Flourish and the way that she supports parents now out of her own experience and all of the unexpected ways that she's grown and learned as a parent. Thanks for joining us for this conversation. Thank you, Jody, so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Molly, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm Jody. I live in New York City with my husband and my daughter and my bonus children, my three stepchildren. And I started a company called Flourish that was born out of the journey that my husband and I had when our daughter was born 12 weeks early. I kind of wanted to create something that was missing from our journey and realizing that I couldn't be the only person that felt the way that I felt. I tried to create something using myself as a target client or my own avatar, if you will, to help support, educate, empower preemie and NICU families on their journey through the NICU and the years beyond. And most importantly, help help let them know they are not alone on this complex yet beautiful parenthood journey. Mm, I love that complex yet beautiful, that sums up so much of the, like it, it's both, right? And I am also a NICU mom. And so this is such a fun thing to get to connect together and support moms together through this podcast. So tell us a little bit more about Flourish and what that looks like to support other NICU moms. Flourish offers one-on-one coaching support. We also have group support. Additionally, I created 15 
audio stories. I picture parents listening to them when they're doing skin to skin with their children in the NICU. And there are stories of challenges and, but also positivity, challenges overcome and overall feelings when you're in the NICU. Generally speaking, you don't know someone who has been in that situation. And for me, all I wanted was to hear a success story. Mm. I wanted to hear someone who had been through the weeds, so to speak. So these little three to five minute stories are meant to be your best friend that you didn't even know that you had that's playing in your ears potentially while you're holding your child skin to skin. And lastly, Flourish offers state-by-state, county-by-county resources, therapists, where parents can go to get help for their children, such as speech therapists, physical therapists, occupational therapists, sensory therapists, therapists of the like, so that we did the legwork for them. These are all people who I personally vetted it, and they're taking new clients and they, all their information is accurate and up to date. That's incredible. It's, that's so many really, really valuable resources. And I'm just struck by thinking back to my NICU experience and you are discharged from the NICU and it's this kind of finish line, but it's also the start of parenting your baby at home. And there are often a lot more appointments and follow-ups and finding the right professionals to continue you and your support and your parenthood journey. And so it's a legwork is totally the word because it is a lot of work. So that's an incredible resource for parents. Also too, there's that huge gap. You leave the NICU, you can't come back. And then what? Your child, whether they've been there one day, 50 days, 100 days, has been looked over 24-7 with medical professionals and medical machines. Yet when you come home, you have none of that. It's you and your spouse or you and your partner or maybe just you. So I always say to people, I was so excited yet terrified at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Terrified. I remember getting having the uh, realization that I would not have the monitors connected to my baby to watch and make sure she was getting enough oxygen to make sure her heart rate was okay like the realization of like how am I gonna how am I going to know that she's okay because you do you get used to this visual information or knowing that there's always medical professionals around there's always a team and even though it is, this hugely joyful celebration when they get to come home, it it does bring on these new concerns and new emotions too. There's kind of this, sometimes this flood of emotions that you didn't get to experience in the NICU because you were in, you were in a prolonged stressful experience. And now you have kind of this space to experience all the emotions and the fear and maybe the anxiety and grief that you've been holding off. Absolutely. And and it's a crazy juxtaposition of emotions. It's Mm -hmm. not something that one would normally expect. But then again, nothing about being a parent to a preemie baby is what you expect anyway. So it kind of goes hand in hand. 
with that. So yes, it's, it's kind of crazy to think that you leave the hospital with nothing. It's like, yeah. see you later. We'll see you in a few weeks for your post NICU checkup. And they're like, then what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that very common experience. I think that moms have leaving the hospital with a baby and like, oh, I'm supposed to take care of this baby to the like hundredth level because your baby also perhaps has complex medical needs or you've been used to that support. It brings on, brings on a lot of complex feelings. Let's go a little bit to your story and how you mentioned like none of this is what you expected, right? So talk to us a little bit about the model in your head of motherhood. What did you expect and how did your reality match up with that? I think I expected what most parents expect when they're pregnant, that generally, you know, it'll be easy breezy with a few, you know, morning sickness, all those other types of things, feeling tired, getting big, all of those types of, I'll say milestones while pregnant. And I have to say I had the easiest 28 weeks and the hardest four days. I got so sick, I really did not know until days later after my daughter was born that I was deathly sick and that neither my daughter nor myself would have made it through the night had I not had my baby while my husband was in Europe. Oh boy. I, there were so many red flags looking back, but it being my first pregnancy and not really looking onto the internet to, cause you could go down a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. I kind of just shrugged them off until one of the last warning signs of I had help syndrome in addition to preeclampsia, uh, I started to see double and seeing spots and I had protein in my urine. Those two things happened the morning that I had my daughter. Then I said to myself, this is not normal. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, I listened to my body and myself in those moments. I called my OB I remember this distinctly. I don't remember a lot after, but I walked into his office at 1230. He said to me, my sonogram machine, he took one look at me and he had just seen me five days before. I gained 20 pounds in five days. Mm. Up until then, I had only gained six and a half pounds the whole pregnancy and took my blood pressure and said, you know, my sonogram machine's not working so well. I think we should go to the hospital and not leave until you have this baby. I did not understand anything that he said, but I walked into the hospital at one o'clock. My daughter was born at 316. And then I met her three days later. Mm. Mm. So a crazy confluence of events happened really quickly. Fortunately, though my husband was in Europe, my mom was with me. She had come up to do baby stuff, right? Look at some furniture, all that fun stuff, not thinking we were going to have the baby. But there she was. And my OB in right before I had the baby said to my mom, if I don't take the baby now, we're going to lose them both 
And if I have to choose, then who? Mm. I don't think any parent, no matter how young or old your child is, is ever prepared for a question like that to be asked of them. Yeah. Yeah. So this went from you're not expecting your baby for another three months to all of a sudden, all of this, this emergent situation. And what was going on for you emotionally during this time? I thought something was strange that all of a sudden I started to gain weight, but then I thought, oh, I mean, I just hit the last trimester. Maybe this is pregnancy catching up with me. I did start to feel really sluggish and like I didn't want to eat or drink and something in that told me something was wrong, but I kind of, like I said, shrugged it off, not thinking that it was much of anything. There are days in anyone's life that they don't feel like eating. Mm -hmm. And then once it got to that last moment, when those two things happened, that's when I said to myself, okay, something is not wrong. After that, emotionally, I don't really remember much just because I think, well, two things. One, I, I know I was hallucinating from the magnesium that mm-hmm. they gave me, but also I think our bodies have this way of protecting ourselves in I don't want to call it a selective amnesia, but, um, you know, but very situationally so that you don't remember a lot of things in effort to protect yourself and spare yourself of reliving the trauma again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so this was a complete surprise to you, unexpected. And, you know, you don't know these things until you know as a first time parent particularly, you don't, this might not have even been on your radar, right? And I think the same thing happens postpartum with mental health. It's, it's this difficulty of discerning like what is pregnancy symptoms and what is something's wrong or what is postpartum adjustment and what is mental health concerns? Like you, we don't know. (laughs) And so I hope you're able to give your, yourself that grace now that you don't, you don't know until you know. It's so true. And I think the thing is, we all always see these picture perfect images on TV or social media, or as women, we're told we're supposed to bond with our baby the minute the baby comes out, which mm-hmm. even if you don't give birth in the way that you or I did, a lot of people still don't feel connected right away. Absolutely. Yet, yep. society says, if we don't feel that way, something is wrong with us. And I think the thing is, is that there's such like that slippery slope and there's like that gray area of, is it like baby blues that I just had this, I'm not feeling like myself to, okay, well, I know I don't feel like myself. I don't want to do anything drastic to myself or my child, but there's still something off and not knowing what that is. And then again, those models that we see are always, everything is perfect. No one ever really normalizes the unperfect part about pregnancy. And that's really more normal 
than the perfection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember feeling like very almost gaslit after my traumatic birth and NICU experience of like, well, giving birth is actually super dangerous and no one talks about this. <laughs> like it's just presented as this normal thing that people do every day. And yes, people do it every day and it's also quite dangerous <laughs> and can have all of these really tough outcomes. And even when you don't have a really traumatic labor and delivery or a NICU state, there are all these practical challenges that that come up that we don't always anticipate. But with a NICU stay, there are extra challenges. And some of that can be around feeding. What was that like for you? At first, I my daughter had donor milk. I couldn't pump for the first, or I couldn't, she couldn't have my milk because of the magnesium. And then I couldn't nurse. She couldn't, she didn't know that triad of suck, swallow, and breathe. And little did I know how difficult it is to actually learn that or for babies to learn that. So I kept pumping as much as I could and feeling like I was a milk machine, quite frankly. Um, We had an extra freezer full. And after I stopped pumping, my daughter had about two and a half months worth of milk supply afterwards. But when she finally could nurse or suck from a bottle, I remember it being really, really stressful. It's a threshold that babies need in order to leave the hospital. Mm -hmm. And for them, for preemies specifically, suck, swallowing, and breathing is very tiresome. And if they can't take a whole feed from your breast or the bottle, then they have to feed them through the the tube. And that's yet a setback of a day more that your child will have to stay in the NICU. And I remember feeling so stressed that I didn't even care. I didn't care if I nursed her in the hospital because I felt like I had bonded with her in so many ways that other people don't get to do just by virtue of kangaroo care and holding her on my chest for four to five hours a day that for myself, I didn't need her to take it directly from me in order to feel bonded with her. And also it was stressful because it took us four formulas to find, to supplement my milk. Now, a lot of preemies, they add formula to the milk to help them gain weight. And it took four of them to find where her stomach wasn't blown up, um, like literally the biggest part of her body or that she didn't have bathroom issues or gas issues. And that was stressful also in and of itself because watching her arrive in pain and there's nothing you could do. And then I kept thinking, well, is it me? Is it my milk? What did I do? All those feelings just add to the stress and anxiety. Yeah. So, so many layers of stress and so many of these milestones. Like I remember feeling like we were constantly counting down. It was like when she can do this, then we can count down to the next thing. And when she can do this, and for us, 
the last step was regulating her temperature. And up to like the day she was able to come home, we were like, oh, is she going to be able to, to do it long enough for them to let her go? I hit the right temperature. And it is you're just in this constant state of waiting and wanting and learning what you're – as you're sharing, I'm just struck by how much information you have to take in as a parent. You are becoming – oftentimes both a learner and a teacher. You're taking in all this medical information, learning all of this new lingo, and then you're often teaching that to your partner, your family, everyone who's asking about baby. And it's this real information overload and you're you're interacting with all this medical staff and equipment and all of a sudden you're an expert in all these things because this is your baby and, and you want to be able to learn and take it all in. It's it's exhausting. And you go to medical school without having gone. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're part of this, this care team for your baby. There's all this stress. And as you're talking, there's all these sweet spots, like getting to do that kangaroo care with her and watching her hit those milestones of, like, I remember telling my baby, you're doing everything that you need to do to come home. Like you're doing such a good job and you get to be their cheerleader and bond with them in these these different ways. This is, again, that juxtaposition of the complex and the beautiful. Okay, quick break here, because if you are a fellow NICU mom like myself and Jody, I'm so glad you're here, and I want to tell you about my support and connection group for NICU moms. This group is intended for mothers of babies who are currently or formerly in the NICU and meets virtually every week. It's an open group, meaning group members can attend as they can and there's no commitment. You just let us know when you're coming. It's facilitated by me, a perinatal mental health therapist and mom of a NICU grad, and it's completely free. It's an hour long every week and you can expect about 15 minutes of introductions and education, followed by 45 minutes of talk time where group members share and talk with each other. So whether your baby's currently in the NICU or you finally joyfully have returned home, our NICU mom support and connection group is here for you. There's nothing quite like having another mom say, me too, or hearing someone else's story and sharing yours to find healing, connection, and support. If you're interested in joining us for the NICU Mom Connection and Support Group, you can find more information at poppy-therapy.com, or you can check out the show notes for for a link straight there. Let's get back to my conversation with Jody. It's really hard to compartmentalize your emotions. Every day I'd walk through the NICU door and I'd say to myself, Jody, whatever you're feeling, it doesn't matter. In these hours that you're with your daughter, it's all about her being positive, cheering her on. I, I often would tell her stories, sing to her, read to her do anything right to have her feel more comfortable and also i was helping myself feel more comfortable with her at the same time and it is this crazy confluence of of events that you are part of her medical or his or her medical team yet you're also a parent and well which should you do more should you do less 
and trying to learn and get yourself up to speed. Oh, by the way, when you're a mom, healing from generally speaking, uh, an emergency C-section and hormonally, and also trying to wrap your head around what has just happened when you thought your pregnancy was going to go one way and goes a complete opposite way. And that your parenthood journey is going to be like this for a while, as opposed to a straight line. And what does that mean for you, your spouse, your child, all of those things you're thinking in those moments, but also to your point, the beauty of being able to witness all those wonderful moments. I remember crying when they took her off the CPAP and just a nasal cannula. And I was like, oh my God, I can see your face. Huge things that that never would have occurred to me to celebrate. I was crying. Or when she went from an isolate into a bassinet. All, or the first time she wore clothing. Oh, all yeah. of these things are huge, huge milestones to celebrate that maybe had she not been born this way, I would have taken for granted. Yeah. NICU babies are, they're so special. And NICU moms are different. We're different. We have some different challenges. And you touched on some of the physical recovery. I remember walking around the hospital, walking up and down flights of stairs in this hospital. And like every day, my Apple watch, I would close all the rings and it was just, I was just on the go and it was, you know, I was still physically recovering, but you just push past it because you have to, you're in survival mode and you're being there for your baby and your family. Another challenge that comes up a lot for NICU moms, particularly if their baby has an extended stay in the NICU is challenges with returning to work. What was that like for you? That was really difficult because traditionally maternity leave, you take maybe a little bit before and then after you have your child. And a lot of people deal with having to choose, well, do I take that time now or do I take that time after the baby comes home. Fortunately, I work in a family business that my parents own. So I was able to be at the hospital myself. Let me, let me take a step back. I was in the hospital myself 11 days. So I was there for, you know, for a, a little bit while she was in the NICU, she was there for 77 days. But then once I left the hospital, which is a whole set of emotions as well, right? Wanting You personally wanting to leave, but not leaving your child behind and that crazy confluence as well. Mm. But I was able to be at the hospital four to five hours a day. I also was not, al- I drive to work. I was not allowed to drive a car for six months. So I wouldn't have been able to go to work. And this happened, my daughter was born in 2019. So it was right before COVID, right before the world got used to doing everything through Zoom or 
Microsoft Teams or what have you. So I couldn't get to work, but most people have to choose. And to say it's not fair sounds so trite, but it really, you shouldn't have to choose because you're there while you're, I mean, you're always there and you're fighting for your child, but in those moments when your child is in the NICU, you're not even focused on anything except getting them home. And then you're supposed to be enjoying them once they do come home. You shouldn't have to choose between providing for them while they're in the hospital and they desperately need you or providing for them when they first come home, when they need you just the same. Yeah. 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 It's, it's so difficult and not always enough support for parents who are having to balance all of that. And also a lot of companies don't even necessarily understand, maybe depending upon the size, they've never had to deal with this situation before, or they just don't have some type of policy for it. And truth be told, it should be something that whether it's Family Medical Leave Act or your insurance, it should be something that is actually a fully coverable expense because it's not like the mom either wants to be at work or she wants to be with her child, wherever that is. And then once her child comes home, she wants to be enjoying those moments of motherhood that she didn't get to experience in the first days, weeks, or months. Yeah, that time is so valuable and important. We can't even guess all of the things that we're capable of as mothers and all of the things that we will learn about ourselves. What stands out to you as something that you've really grown into? I think my strength and my resiliency. Even watching my daughter grow every single day and do things every day. I watch her and she does everything with a smile. And I say, well, she can do it. I can do it too. And I had so much strength that I didn't even know that I necessarily had. People ask, how did you get yourself to the NICU every day? Well, I just did because I had to. I didn't have a choice. I wanted to be there for her. And sometimes in life, we don't have choices. We just do. And we put one foot in front of the other, even though we don't necessarily know how we do it. And in that, in seeing all the beauty and and the celebrations throughout those 77 days while she was in the NICU, and of course, absolutely in the days, weeks, months, years thereafter, to see how the human spirit rises up and catches up where they're supposed to be or things happen in the way, maybe in a different trajectory, but they happened as they should happen. Watching that and watching someone learn. I never really fully had an appreciation for anything that goes on in in human growth and development. 
and watching that through my daughter every day, watching her flourish. That's how I got the name Flourish because I'd always describe her as flourishing. Mm -hmm. Watching her every day, I realized how strong she is and how resilient she is because she is being asked to do so many things already that she shouldn't have been asked to do. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Child development is such like a miracle. Like you look at kids and you're like, it's actually miraculous. It's amazing. But when you have a child who was born too early or too sick and you've had these extra challenges, it's just, it's beyond. I, my daughter's three now, my NICU baby, and she recently started ballet. And I just like lose my mind watching her do ballet because this was a baby we didn't know if she would talk or walk or what kind of functioning she would have. And she's doing ballet. And it's just, you are describing flourishing like this you get to see it. You get to see them come into their self, themselves and become who they are. And they've already overcome so many challenges and the strength and resilience that you found in the experience. That's something we all want for our kids to see. We want them to be strong and resilient. And so it's a beautiful picture of growth and learning and, and flourishing. And I think, too, to your point that your daughter doing ballet, how wonderful is that? Now, the mom in me is like, that's good for her balance, her core, you know, all of those things, because that's how I've been, I guess, trained to think as a result of this. But at the same time, you know, all those things are to be celebrated because you, you didn't know if she would. I remember when my daughter went to her first day of preschool, like the preschool twos, I was crying waterworks because I never would allow myself to imagine that that day would come. I wouldn't allow myself to think that far into the future because I just wanted to look at small steps because that's what helped me every day was to look not globally, but to look in smaller, manageable pieces and manageable tasks so that then I could celebrate more, but also so that my head didn't get get to a place where it just wasn't good and it would take me somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And those small steps got you to where you are. If you could go back to Jody, the new mom, at bedside in the NICU, in the thick of it, what would you want to tell her? I would want to tell her that all children, no matter preterm, full term, have their own growth trajectory. Not everyone can come in first place all the time. There is a bell curve for a reason. We all have our own developmental milestones. And just because you are faced with challenges and the potential that your child could be delayed or reach those milestones at a later point than someone that was born full term, doesn't necessarily mean that your child won't get there, 
that your child won't even exceed your expectations and that your child can't be the president of the United States if that's what he or she wants to do. Again, it comes down to thinking so much smaller as opposed to wider. And I think that helps you enjoy the journey that much more because when you're not looking globally, it allows you to be able to manage what's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And I would also say to um, parents out there, cut yourself some slack and give yourself some grace. You have been through so much. You don't even know how much you've been through. And you're asking so much of yourself. So take time for yourself, even if that means going for a cup of coffee with a friend, going for a walk, get getting lunch with someone, do something that will help you feel like you, because then that fills your cup so that you could then be more positive towards your child when you see them again in the NICU. All right, Jody. I like to end with some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What is something you said you'd never do as a parent that you do now? I told myself that I would never say, well, when I was your age, and even (laughs) at having a four-year-old, I say that. It's irresistible. It's part of the mom genes. It just happens. Seriously. (laughs) What? So your daughter is four years old. What delights you about your daughter right now? Her smile. And when she just comes up to me and says, I love you, mommy, that unconditional love. And also the fact that she wants me still to hold her and put her to sleep all of that yummy goodness that I wish I could hold on to. Mm. And I'll say one other thing, watching her experience the world in her eyes, there is nothing greater than watching her in amazement at something that might seem very trivial or small to you and I, but to children her age or your daughter's age, it means everything. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that especially getting towards the holidays and just the awe and wonder and getting to see her really – I have two young children, three and one, and getting to see them both experience these things that, yeah, are magic. They're magic to them. It's amazing. And you realize how little it takes to make us happy. In in watching them and what makes children happy, why can't that – make all of us happy always, right? Yeah, back to the basics. What's a tradition from your childhood that you're keeping alive with your daughter? I tell her every night that I love her. She's my best friend. And that I'm so proud of her. My mom has always said that to me. And my mom is like my best friend and I'm lucky to have that relationship with her. And so I say the same things to my daughter in hopes that one day she and I will be as close um, 
as my mom and I, but I also tell her that it's important that she is proud of herself. That's not something that my mom necessarily said to me, but again, in this, what has happened, I've realized again, the strength and how much she has overcome and that she should be proud of the person who she is every single day. Beautiful. I love it. Jody. where can listeners find you to learn more and connect? Everyone can find me on Instagram at flourish, F-L-R-R-I-S-H. They can look me up on the web, www.flourish.com. Email me, hello at flourish.com. And actually all social media is at flourish. Wonderful. I'll link all of that information in the show notes. Jody. thank you so much for coming on and sharing both your personal story and your expertise with us. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I hope that you and your family have as much joy and see as much joy with your children growing the way I have experienced with my daughter. And thank you, dear, dear listener, for joining us for these conversations for growing moms. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. And if you did, you might want to subscribe to the podcast so you could be the first to know when new episodes come out. Be sure to check out the show notes where I'll link any resources that we talked about in this episode. You can find out more about me and my California-based private practice, Poppy Therapy, at poppy-therapy.com. Thank you for listening.